0: Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.CrossoverChurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620.
1: We are beginning a new series tonight a four part series entitled, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Am I, not the person next to you, but am I my brother's keeper? And it's four parts, and tonight will be our introduction. And in the introduction, We're going to look at the origin of this phrase and the circumstances and situation surrounding it. Then week two, hopefully you'll be here. Week two is our responsibility because once we answer the question, am I my brother's keeper, then we need to determine and understand what our responsibility is to one another and what our responsibility is from a kingdom biblical perspective. Not my perspective, but from a kingdom biblical perspective. And then week three, we're gonna discuss our role We're gonna evaluate our role. Role meaning our purpose and our position, the part I play in Am I My Brother's Keeper. And then week four, our response. After we have determined our responsibility, after we have determined our role, then we need to understand based on those two, now, What is my response? Now, what is my reaction going to be to all of this information that I've received? And in my response, coming to understand then that I need to embrace it. Because this is a high calling to be my brother's keeper. It's a high calling, but we are well equipped to do it through the power and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, as we go on, if you have questions, because you might, questions may arise. And we're not in a setting where you can stand up at this point and ask a question. And so if there's anything that I say, anything that you need clarity on, you can email me at som at crossoverchurch.tv. Now, if you already know the answer, that's not a question, okay? Then what you're doing is you're just trying to tell me what you know, but this email address is for questions, because your question is important to me. And if you have a question, then somebody else may have that same question. And so what I may do is I may bring it before the group and share it, okay? And so let's start with our introduction. Now, as we begin this series, again, our goal tonight is to answer the question, am I my brother's keeper? In hope of preparing us as we move forward into the next three weeks. Now, for the series, when you hear the words, my brother's keeper, it's speaking to the body of Christ, to individuals in the household of faith, us. It's talking about the family of God. It's not referring necessarily to one specific gender but it refers to those of us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we will then, as a community, as this great community in which we have been given the privilege through Jesus Christ to be a part of, then we come to the place where we understand that we have been joined together to display the gospel of Jesus Christ here on earth. And so it's not gender specific, but it is speaking to us as the body of Christ. And in my thoughts, this is a good time for us individually to do a spiritual assessment introspection, when you take a look on the inside of you, when I take a look on the inside of me, not thinking about how I can impart this to someone else or how it applies to someone else, but I have to now look on the inside of me and ask the question, where am I? As it relates to my brother's keeper. So it's a time of introspection. Because in my estimation, this is a question that we must ask ourselves. And oftentimes, frequently ask ourselves. And so in light of this question, this question could perhaps be One of the more pressing questions recorded in the Bible. And Cain asked it a murderer. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Cain asked it a murderer. A murderer. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And I'm going to start reading. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground." There are some that believe that Cain and Abel were twins. There are some scholars believe that. And the reason being is because in the text, it does not say, and she conceived. It says that, and again, she gave birth. And I want you to look at something. I want you to look at Genesis 29, 32. Real quick, Genesis 29, 32. So we can see what I'm talking about. Genesis 29, verse 32. Twenty-nine thirty-two, and I'll read. And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again. See where I'm talking about? Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also, so she named him Simon. Then it goes on to 34. And she conceived again and bore a son. And so when you look at Genesis 4, verse One and two, it says, and again she gave birth to his brother Abel. So that's why the thought is that they were twins. Let's continue. Verse 3. And it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought up the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance failed. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for, for you, but you must master it. Warning. God giving him a warning right there. Uh-huh. But look what he does. Look what he does. And Cain told Abel his brother, And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him then the Lord said to Cain where is Abel your brother and he said I do not know am I my brother's keeper now this is real interesting because This is God who's asking him this question. (laughs) This is God. But before we get into that, the word keeper in the Hebrew language is shamar. And it means, and I love this meaning, it means to be hedged around something as with thorns, to keep to guard. So it means to hedge around something as with thorns to keep, to guard. A hedge is something that provides protection. And when I think of this, I think of the uh, Psalm 122, verse 5, that says, can anybody think what it says? 121, 5. That's all right. I'll, I'll tell you. The Lord, what is it? Uh-huh. I knew if I kind of gave you a little entry where well, you get it. <laughs> so the Lord is my keeper, the Lord is my shade. Ah, hallelujah! On oh, my right hand. Now think of that picture. The Lord is a keeper. A keeper means that 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 is speaking of a hedge around me, as with. And I think that that picture needs to come to our mind when we are thinking that we are all alone and all by ourselves. We need to think about that picture when the enemy is trying to come up against us through your boss, through your children through your siblings we need to think about that that he's thorny and he's not gonna allow anything to overtake me and overwhelm me he is guarding me he is protecting me and he is well able to do it amen hallelujah and so As we continue, when God asks him the question, where is your brother Abel? The thought is that God didn't necessarily address him when he immediately killed, murdered Abel, but that it took place during some sort of assembly that there were moments when God called everybody together and at that particular moment that's when God asked him where is Abel because Abel was one that was always present and so God knew immediately and instantly that he was not there And so of course he's gonna ask who, his brother. Where is he? And so, but that's a thought. Not saying that that happened, it is a thought. When you read and when you study the Bible, you're going to encounter many different thoughts. And it's okay to share it as long as you communicate that it is a thought. And so that was a thought. And what I find so interesting about that thought is the fact that, yes, that God noticed that Abel was missing. And so it signifies that the God of heaven knows when we are present and when we are absent. When we are present and when we are absent. He knows who's not here right now. <laughs> he knows where they are. So whether it's a physical present or absent, sometimes it could be uh, emotional, not being present, but being absent. Sitting in on a ministry meeting mine somewhere else instead of what's on the agenda and where we're going as a ministry. Absent, but not present. I'll leave that right there. (laughs) Absent, but not present. But we see that during this, particular situation uh, in this circumstance, the situation that's that's going on, uh, I really think that it is a picture of when human relationship got broken. We see in the previous chapter, in Genesis 3, we see The broken relationship between God and man in the fall. But when we get to chapter 4, we see the brokenness in human relationship. And the reason why I say that is because where is Abel? He's dead at the hands of his brother. Broken relationship. But let's continue. Let's look at verse 9. I'm going to read that again. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, when God asked, Where is your brother Abel? You know, this would have been a great time for Cain to humble himself. It really would have been. It would have been a good time for him to humble himself. Instead, he responds to God as if god asked him a disrespectful question so he responds to god as if god was some, in some way impertinent and so he says okay and it's kind of like this when i think it's like he's saying that he's not obligated to answer the God of heaven. He, God asked him, where is your brother Abel? And he gives one of those face like, <laughs> like, what? Why are you asking me that? But I believe it was an opportunity for him to humble himself. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 10. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Even the the ground is telling on him. He said, your brother's blood is crying out. And in the original manuscripts, the word blood is plural. So it reads, bloods. Now one suggestion is that when God heard the bloods crying out, that it was Abel's sons, Abel's daughters, Abel's grandchildren, Abel's great-grandchildren crying out to God. They never had a chance to even exist. And the blood cried out to God. Think about that for a minute. Because oftentimes, when we interact with one another, we don't think about the bloods. We don't think about the impact of our words at times that can have an effect on a person that it not only affects them but that it will affect their children and potentially their children and their children. And that's why I said to answer this question, we can't take it lightly, we can't take it lightly because we're going to look at this in a whole nother way, a whole nother way. And so God heard the blood crying out to him. Let's look at verse 11. It says, And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. My punishment is too great to bear. See, at that time, there was no judicial system. And so God was the judge. Now, earlier in the verses, God was, did the, the arraignment in the earlier verses and now he is judging Cain. Now Cain tries to plead his case, but he's been found guilty. And so now God judges him. This is important, because this is very serious, very serious as somebody Am I my brother's keeper? Don't be scared. <laughs> okay, you asking it. You asking it now. Okay, all right. And so God is the judge. Let's look at verse 15. Oh, let me finish reading 14 for i I'll read it again. Behold, thou hast driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from thy face I shall be hidden, and shall be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Like God, God just told him that, and he's repeating. And it will come about that whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, lest anyone finding him should slay him. Now, Cain showed a little remorse, but he was not repentant. He was remorseful, but he was not repentant. He was more concerned about his well-being instead of getting himself right with God. More so concerned about his well-being than to get himself right with God. And so sadly, because of his, we could say his envy, his jealousy, his insecurity, he goes down in history as a murderer. But we can learn from his life because we don't have to go down in history ah, as murderers because that's the word te- what does the word say he said it, it, what if I hate my brother we're gonna look at that in first John 3 if I hate him I'm a murderer so if I'm on this side of the, of the church Because I don't want to sit on this side because there's a brother or a sister that I hate. And I know that word is strong, but it's true. We don't want to confess it, but it's true. We do our best to stay away from them. And that's not God. And we're going to learn that when it comes to our responsibility. That is not God. And so Cain goes down in history as a murderer. His lack of concern for his brother and lack of love got him cursed. It got him cursed because he took a natural man's solution to his own failure. A natural man's solution to his own failure. It's not to say that we're not going to have our disagreements with one another. It's not to say that we're going to have varying opinions but we cannot allow it to cause us to sin we cannot allow it to cause us to sin and so Cain rejected what was truly required of him that was to guard and protect his little brother because he was the eldest he was the eldest and some of us from a spiritual perspective we could be classified as the eldest and if we are classified as the eldest then we need to be protecting and guarding Our little brothers and sisters we need to be protecting and guarding our little brothers and sisters let's turn to Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 4 Philippians chapter 2 and tonight we just setting it up we just Determining and and discovering, if we didn't already know who coined the phrase, looked at his life, know that we don't want to repeat it. Go the way of Cain, Jude talks about, but it's another context. So, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It says, do not, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as important than himself, as important as himself. And so we just looked at the life of Cain and Abel. We saw his impertinence, and as a result of his sin, he was cursed. He had the opportunity to guard and protect his brother, but he did not. For us, not only is his story evidence and can be used to speak to us, There is evidence of Elma, my brother's keeper, in the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, Old Testament evidence, I believe, is in the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic, also known as the Levitical law. In the Ten Commandments, the first four speaks of our relationship with God the remaining speak of our relationship with one another. Let's turn to Exodus 20, starting at verse 12, so that we can see this, Exodus 20, verse 12. And I'll just read a few of them. Old Testament evidence that we are our brother's keeper. We are to guard and we are to protect one another. Verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. 13, you shall not murder. It's not kill, it's murder. Murder is deliberate. Murder is premeditated. If I hit someone with my car, not meaning to hit them, and they die, I have killed them. I did not intend to do it. It's two different meanings. Someone come in your house. You own a pistol. (laughs) They came in your house. You got your family in there, in the bed asleep. First of all they shouldn't be in your house they have come in there illegally so by law you have a right to defend yourself and your family so if you go and get your pistol and shoot them you have killed them if they die I hope no Lord you know we believers I mean, we, you know, I'm not saying go, going to shoot nobody, okay? I'm just saying, using this as an example between the difference between kill and murder, okay? Now, if the person sees you with your pistol, gets on their knees and beg you not to shoot them, even though they're in your house and you shoot them, that's murder, okay? so We, we know the difference. So 14 says, you shall not commit adultery. When I am protecting and guarding my brother or my sister, I am not going, and you know where I'm going? Yes, I do. Uh-huh, Pastor Raman. Yeah, okay. If we're guarding and protecting, I'm not gonna go and present myself in an inappropriate way to my sister's husband or to my brother's wife because I am his keeper. I am her keeper. to the Mosaic or the Levitical law, and that's in um, Leviticus 19. And and we're not gonna turn there, um, but I wanna mention something about Leviticus 19 because the, the, the thought is that the Mosaic and Levitical law is not necessarily in a sense relevant for us as New Testament believers. But I believe that it is very relevant Very relevant because although Israel's um, because Israel's inability to keep the law had nothing to do with the significance of the law their inability to keep it had nothing to do with the significance of it and so the emphasis is that there were certain things regarding one another that they were to do and certain things that they were not to do. Am I my brother's keeper? So the emphasis is there were things that they were supposed to do regarding one another and things that they weren't supposed to do. In one verse in Leviticus 19, it says that they were not to lie to one another. they were not to lie to one another they were to be truthful to one another And we are gonna talk a little bit about that a little bit later as we go on in the weeks but they were not to lie to one another what it shows in the mosaic law what it showed in the Ten Commandments was God's concern for people God's concern for people and how we are to relate to one another God said it God did because there is value that we have on the inside of us for one another we have been fashioned and designed for one another to live in this great community of faith, every need being supplied. And I'm not talking about just physical needs. I'm not just talking about financial needs. That's all a part of it. But even our emotional needs were to be and are to be met in community. I shouldn't have to go outside into the world and find what I need because it is already in the house in you. It's already in you. So I shouldn't have to go out. Yes, that's why we need to go into uh, uh, higher education. We need to learn how to counsel. One another we need to learn uh, uh, skills that can bless one another to bring them into the house so we don't have to go out into the world and refer any one of us anywhere because it's already here because I am my brother's keeper tell the person next to you, I am my brother's keeper. And let's go on. New Testament evidence. In the New Testament, there are over 59 one another verses. (laughs) 59 one another verses. So we can't Get by this if we wanted to. The only way we get by it is not reading the word. <laughs> but there are fifty-nine one another verses. Serve one another, encourage one another, love one another. And First John, John, you know, known as the the love of, uh, apostle. I mean, you go and read First John, Second, uh, Third all he talk about is love and we're gonna talk about love as we go on in the week because how, how are you how are you loving how how are you loving is it conditional is it when I give you something is it when you do what I do want you to do when I do what you want me to do is that when you love me or when I get on your nerves and when I get on your nerves are you just ready to just cut me off because I think that that is a tactic of the devil I'm not saying where we let go of those toxic type of of relationships. I'm talking about the ones out in the world. But within the body, there's no cutting off anybody. Because when I cut you off, I cut off a part of me. because we are one we are one body you might be the arms somebody else might be the legs; somebody else might be the eyes. so if i'm starting to cut things off that's going to be some kind of sight we can't function like that and we have to stop doing it the the problem is we keep lying to one another and we won't tell each other the truth That's the problem. Mm -hmm. So there are over 59 one another verses that we ought to be at peace with each other. We're loved to love one another. It says in, in 1 Peter 3, deeply from the heart, deeply from the heart. So that means when you're sad, I'm sad. When you're happy, I'm happy. There's something wrong when my brother is sad and I'm happy over his sadness. That ought not be so in the body. Again, now Colossians 3.9, don't lie to one another. And so the question is, am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. Absolutely, undeniably, yes. Absolutely. And so then what are the implications? And hearing all of this, what's the implication for us if we take nothing else away tonight? The implication is, and I'll read it from my notes, we have a responsibility to guard and protect one another. That's the implication. We have a responsibility to guard and protect one another. When we see one another just running on fumes about to pass out and you know he or she is probably one more step away from the emergency room guard and protect we need to say something instead of that you know sometimes we can get too spiritual (laughs) just pray a little more You doing it, doing it, gonna be dead. (laughs) I'm for real. Mm -hmm. And so we have a responsibility, that's the implication, to guard and protect one another, even against ourselves. Even against ourselves. Even against our process, our pet peeves, our isms and schisms, we need to protect one another from. We need to protect one another from our faulty belief system. Protect one another from uh, imposing on each other what we grew up with. And I'm not speaking against nobody's mama and daddy, okay? But that was your family. (laughs) That was your family. And so, please, don't impose mama and daddy on me. Okay? Yep. Our responsibility to one another is based on truth it is not based on sentiment it is not based on sentiment we can wear matching t-shirts all of us can have red t-shirts on tonight but does that mean that we're being our brother's keeper no we're just being sentimental that's all Because still this side can be red, that side can be red, and still somebody on this side got issue with somebody on this side. So it's just sentimental, sentiment. We can go get matching tattoos. You have one half of the heart, I have the other half of the heart. Sentiment. But that doesn't mean that when it comes time for me to do that hard thing and say, well, you know what, sis? The way you handled that, that wasn't good. You hurt his feelings. You hurt her feelings. That's not good. Well, that's just how I am. No, it's not. God didn't make you that way. You're trying to handle this thing in the natural. So don't go the way of Cain. We might have to remind each other of that. So next week, we're going to cover our responsibility, understanding us. Come on, stand to your feet.
0: Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.CrossoverChurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastor's class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.